Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner, and tonight our co-host is not with us, but we have tonight a beautiful voice. I'm sure you're tired of hearing my voice. Her voice is a lot easier on the ears. Denisha Jackson. Denisha, are you there? Yes, I am. You're so kind, Greg. <laughs> you know what? You are so so gracious in the way that you accepted the uh, invite to be on the show, and I'm just glad you're on here because we can discuss some things that a lot of women are going through. Not, and I say not just women, but men in general. Everybody's going through some things, and and we want to talk about Tyler Perry's new movie. I know you went and saw it. I want to get your thoughts on it and what your girlfriends are saying about it. You know, Denisha, a lot of women right now, they think that they can't have their Adam. You know, they think that where they are right now, that he will never show up. I was talking with a lady just today, and she said that she didn't want to be 50 years old before she got married. Mm-hmm. And my response to her was, if you're saying that, then that's probably what's going to happen if you if you continue to speak that. Hey, so, yeah. So what are, what do you what do you think about someone that's speaking death into their own life? Wow, I think people really don't understand how powerful the tongue is, and I'm always telling friends, and, I'm, and I do it tell myself sometimes, but I'm always telling my friends, you know. Okay, take that back. Be careful what you say out of your mouth because it will manifest. You have to be really careful of what you speak into your own life and into the lives of your children or the lives of other people because it, it can definitely manifest. And saying, you know, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to ever get married. You know, you say that enough times, you put it out there, you will get that back. Yes, yes. And you know what? A lot of us are guilty of it. We just don't, you know, I, I don't think we recognize that we're saying it when we actually do that. I mean, do you catch yourself saying certain things? And, I mean, it, what it is, is it's, uh, it's something that we just need to be aware of on a daily basis. Because when we do that, we're giving the enemy something to attack us. Would you agree? Absolutely, because when you speak, you're, you're basically um, verbalizing your fear. Because really what you're saying is, I'm so afraid that I'll never get X. I'm so afraid that I'll never, that I'm not worth X. I'm so afraid that such and such won't happen. And, of course, all Satan needs is a little bit of information to play right on that. And then as soon as he finds out, he's in there showing you so that you can come up with these. See, I, I knew that it would never happen for me. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I heard this a thousand times. The things we focus on the longest become the strongest. And that's so true. We spend so much of our time thinking about things that we don't want to happen, and those things are happening. What if we just change the way we think and say, you know what? These are the things that I want to happen, and we stay on that. We constantly believe that. We speak life into our own life. Do you ever do that? Um, yes, I'm, I'm not as conscious of it as I would like to be, but I am very conscious. And I have a child, and so I'm, I try to be even more conscious because I don't want to speak stuff into his life. You know, people walk around and they say, oh, my child is so bad, or, oh, you know, you talk too much, or you need to be quiet, you so unruly. Mm-hmm. So I'm very careful not to put that out there because I don't want to speak that over him and then, when it, when he's 15 and, and completely unruly, I'm wondering what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it could come from years of saying, my child is so bad, you should understand how bad my child is. Mm-hmm. So I'm conscious of not doing that and conscious of also not doing it to myself. Mm. I hear it all the time. You know, I spend a lot of my time, Denisha, into the, I go into the jails, prisons, and detention centers, and I hear it. The kids tell me all the time that, Someone said that they're never going to be anything, and they accepted that. They allowed what somebody else had to say to be, you know, it turned out to be true. They they allowed and they accepted those things. I guess what we have to practice is, you know what, I'm not going to allow what you say. What you say, your opinion, is not going to tell me who I am. It's not going to dictate my life and the, the steps and the choices that I take. I'm going to... 
stay focused on me. Stay focused on God and the things that God has created me to be, and that's who I want to be. And that would be ideal. Like, that that's really what we should shoot for. Mm-hmm. You know, I often tell my friends, my opinion of me supersedes all others. With the okay. exception of God, my opinion of me supersedes all others. Now, sometimes that's also detrimental because I have friends who may be lifting me up, and my opinion of me still supersedes theirs. So if I'm not lifting myself up in that area, I might fall prey to my own thoughts. But I think it is really important to have your own identity, to have your own view of self so that other people can't come in and give you that identity. The problem is when you're working with someone who is, you know, when you're working with a youth, it's a little bit of a different story because they're still figuring it out. And they will tend to latch on to what you tell them, especially as a parent or a mentor. You know what? I want to ask you about the adults. I want to focus on adults right now. Okay. You know, we have friends that call us when they're in certain situations and, and it's tough for them and they're calling and sometimes they need a shoulder, someone's shoulder to cry on. But at some point, when does it become a burden when the person is constantly calling you with every little thing that happens and they don't have any faith whatsoever? They think that you're the one with the answer to their problem and they really don't understand that they're Put placing their burdens and their problems now on you because if you hear it and you care anything about that person, what you hear, you feel what that person is feeling to a certain extent. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, and that's a that's a very <clears throat> excuse me a very powerful statement because to counsel someone or to be a, a friend who is a counselor of sorts. One, it has to be a gift, and if it's not, then you really are burdening the other person with with your problems. And like you said, if they do care, they're going to naturally want to help you, and they're going to take on the burden. Mm-hmm. And so what I would tell people is, one, hopefully you have a spiritual base. And as adults, hopefully we have the ability to communicate and be honest with the other person and say, look, I'm coming to a place where what I'm telling you, what what you're telling me is starting to hinder my own spirit. It's starting to hinder my spirit. And as much as I want to support you and as much as I want to help you, I cannot, I do, I'm not equipped to give you the help that you need to get out of your situation. Yes. So I've been an ear, and I've been an ear as long as I can be an ear. I will pray for you. I will pray with you. I have reached the end of what I can do. Perhaps it's time to seek some professional assistance. Perhaps it's time to speak with your pastor. You can take it a step beyond me because dialoguing about it is just putting the negativity out into the atmosphere, and we need to, you need to take control of all of that energy and take it to someone where you can start getting solutions because dialoguing about negativity is only going to get you more negativity and not solutions. And, you know, what do you think about, we we know we we you, you told your friend to pray. I tell my friends to pray, and I tell myself to pray. And the the hardest things it seems to is that when we're praying, we don't wait long enough for the Lord to answer. We we want we pray, and then we call somebody else to see if they confirm what we prayed about. Guilty, guilty, guilty <laughs> as charged. Um, I absolutely am guilty of doing that, of praying, and because. Depending on the level of your relationship with God, you might not hear an answer back immediately. Your spirit might not be in tune. You might be in such despair that you don't hear him. Or you might be he might be allowing you to go through some things to develop your trust and your faith in him. Whatever the case, we often want instant gratification. So if I'm praying, then I give it to God and then I want to talk to a friend or someone who is going to either co-sign and agree with whatever I'm nervous and, and, and sort of in turmoil about, or I want someone who can give me a solution. So I'm still grabbing, grabbing for a solution and not really trusting and believing that God will come through. That's really what it boils down to. I'm not really trusting. I'm saying I pray because I was told to, but not because I really trust. Yes, yes. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour with our special guest tonight is Denisha Jackson. Denisha, we have a caller on the line from the 434 area code. Caller, are you there? Caller from the 434 area code, are you there? I guess they're just listening in. But, Denisha, let's talk about Tyler. 
Tyler Perry. That's that's some, that's the big thing right now. Yes. Everybody's talking about this movie. Why did I get married? I think that's the title. Am I am I right? It is. Yes. <laughs> did you go see the movie? I absolutely went and saw the movie opening weekend. I thought it was. I still think it's an awesome movie. What did you get from the movie? I, I've heard that and read that the movie has four different parts to it. Mm-hmm. The, it's an ensemble cast. Yes, yes. In the four parts, I think is one one couple is having financial difficulties. I believe one was dealing with uh, someone cheating. I believe, and the other two, I can't remember. But tell us what you what you got from the movie. Well, I identify with a couple of characters. There was a character in the movie who, um, and I didn't necessarily identify with this one, but I'll touch on her first, who worked all the time. She worked all the time. She compromised, as she put it, with her husband to have, which was Tyler Perry's character, to have their their first child. And then she really was like, I'm not having any more children. I'm all about my career. When they tried to relax, you know, she was always on her BlackBerry, which is definitely what what happens a lot today, um, these days. And she was just always focused on career and really, really self-centered and about her goals and her dreams and not really realizing that she was married and that when you get married, your goals and your dreams should be intertwined into the goals and dreams of the family and moving the family forward. She was really self-centered and not at all conscious of the needs of her husband. Physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, his needs were not a consideration for her. And, in fact, she felt like considering his needs was the compromise Mm -hmm. as opposed to her duty as his wife and his duty as her husband, Mm. Um, which was very interesting. The overall theme, I think, of the movie was how important communication is and how to not take the other person for granted. So many of us, and I'm not married, but I say us in general, um, get married, and we get married with the idea of marriage. We get married and we we, we pretend um, that marriage is what we believe it to be instead of turning it into what we believe it to be and having those dialogues up front. And you can tell by these couples that some of them hadn't really, they were sort of into the idea of marriage, the perfect picture we are walking around here, and we're happy. doesn't matter that something tragic happened in our life. We're not going to deal with that. We're happy, and I'm, you know, I'm the intelligent one, and I'm going to work it out, and I'm listening to everybody's problems, and I never deal with my own. I identified very <laughs> seriously with that character. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the woman who was so hell-bent on saving her marriage that she threw all caution to the wind, and her husband was doing everything to show her how much he did not value her. And because she had so little value in herself, she took on his lack of value and allowed whatever. And she really felt like her worth and her life was tied to his existence. And that's always a scary thought because the only person, the only entity whose worth and whose value you should be tied to is Christ. So if you're tied to some other, some other anybody, some other entity, especially you have to be careful when you're choosing your mate because if, if your mate is not a God-appointed mate, you have to be careful of what you're going to get because here she is, she's getting a man, and because she had gained some weight, all of a sudden his love for her was gone. And he was mistreating her severely to the point of just doing things that he should not have been doing with her so-called friend. Mm. So you have to be really careful when you're out choosing a mate. And just let God be your guide and let God, you know, lead you to the choice. But if you already find yourself in a situation where you have already made your choice, then it's never too late to turn the relationship over to God. And it's never too late to connect spiritually with your partner and start to make decisions that benefit the family and not that are simply self-serving. Let me ask you this. Do you think this woman was... You think she knew that this wasn't the man for her when she got married? Because I've 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 talked with a couple of women that said, you know what? After you know, now that they're divorced, they knew. I mean, they they knew without a shadow of a doubt this was not the man for them. They knew it, but they thought that things would change. Do you think that was the case with this woman? I think a lot of women. I think a, with her. 
I believe so, but she might have convinced herself um, that he was the one for her because she, it's almost like she had to to stay. He had to be the reason that she woke up in the morning and that she would even take a breath because if she, if he wasn't, then it gave her no validity to stay. There would be no real reason for her to stay. So I think she convinced herself that he was her everything so that she could have a reason to stay because he gave her none. The way he treated her was definitely a reason to leave and to never look back. But I think most women, I think not most, this, this is a bit strong, but I think a lot of women, I mean, we're raised to grow up and get married. Yes. You're successful as a man if you can provide for your family, and you're successful as a woman if you can have a family. And so that's a lot of pressure on women to grow up and get married. And so if you've spent, if you're 30, which we're finding, I mean, I have so many friends that are 40 and they're still hoping and still looking. Or if you're 30 or 20 and you've been with a man for 5, 10 years, even though 5, 10 years you've learned that he really doesn't work for you, but because it's been so long, you decide, well, I just want to stay. I just want to make it work. And so you force marriage. You force marriage, even though everything points to the fact that that person is not the best person for you, you force it so that you don't have to fail. Yes. We don't want to fail. You know, well, I'll you, choose you. Yes. You said something that's so important on uh, the issue of communicating. Now, I'm going to say this because I talk with a lot of guys in the gym and, and just in the churches and just in grocery stores and when I run into men and I listen to them talk. And I asked the question, I asked some of the guys, a couple, uh, most of the guys, I asked them, do you really know how to communicate? Did anyone teach you? And surprisingly, the men said, you know what? I never really thought about it, but I didn't see any communicating between my mother and my father. What I saw was bickering all the time, arguing, and my mom slept in one room and my dad slept in one room. Now, this man is going into a marriage not knowing how to communicate with his wife. And a lot of times, really and honestly, a lot of men do not know how to communicate. They think that if they communicate, they sit there and they and they listen to this, they think that the woman is getting the hands up on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really. That's what that's what I was told, that, you know, if I sit there and I listen to that, it's like she's controlling me. I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because I have long believed that it's unfortunate. First of all, God created two sexes. He created male and he created female. He knew what he was doing when he created the two. But we interact with one another like there is another option. We interact as though there is some other sex out there for us to interact with. And it's unfortunate, but I think we are raised to compete. And how can you compete with your spouse and expect for your marriage to be successful? It can't be a team if I have to win because then I'm always there to pull you down so that I can get above you to win. And if the goal isn't for us to come together and win together, then we both lose, especially in a marriage. Yeah. But I think we're, we're taught to be at odds with one another. So when you talk about communication, of course, if I'm taught that, well, if I listen, first of all, women nag. That's what we're taught. Women nag and the men shut down. So if I'm nagging and you're shutting down, neither of us are hearing the other and nobody's needs are getting met. So then what is going to happen? A disconnect automatically takes place. And it's just, it might start as a little bitty gap that eventually you look up and it's a huge gaping hole in the relationship and each person is saying, I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we got here. Well, it started when the person was saying, I'm hurt. I'm not feeling loved. I'm feeling rejected. And you turned a deaf ear because for you, it was nagging, or for you, it was shutting down. And uh, no, I just, it's so sad to me that we're not in to win, that we're not in to be successful. I think if you, every person should look at their boyfriend, girlfriend, fiancé, spouse, and if you are not the person that can lift them and inspire them to be the best person that they can be, you are not the one for them. 
because you should be able to love them into who God created them to be. And if you can't do that, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be with them. That's right. I agree with you on that. But, you know, I think the men, we need to get together and talk more about these types of things. We don't do that as men. You know, you, you women, anytime something happens, you, you guys can call each other and talk. I cannot call Brian and say, Brian, you know what? Well, I can call Brian and say that, but if I call one of my other friends and say, man, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, they're like, man up. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Right. Man up. Exactly. <laughs> it's, I don't want to hear that whining. It sets the tone because it's, what it's saying, what men are affirming for other men is that communication is weak. To talk, to express your feelings is weak. And so if you if you're taught that, and you want to be a man, surely, especially in this day and age where the the lines of what's feminine and what's masculine is so blurred, if you want to be a man, then of course you want to gravitate towards what appears to be more masculine. And if com- poor communication or the lack of communication is what is ideal to be a man, then that's what, I, that's what I'm going to do because I'm a man. Yes, yes. And you know what? Let me ask you this. This movie... Tyler Perry's movie, mm-hmm. Why Did I Get Married? You know, what I get from this movie is what Tyler is saying is, you know what, being married, you can't do this on your own. <laughs> it takes more than the two of you to make this work. What I, what I, what I get from Tyler's music, or I, mean, I mean the movie, I get that Tyler is saying, you need to turn this marriage over to God first. You need to get his okay before you two wed. You you need to stay in his face together, and this is the only way that this is going to work. Absolutely, absolutely. Whatever God you're serving, you need to seek his guidance for your marriage, much like you do any other area. But marriage is so important because, one, the foundation, God is the creator of love. Yes. So how better... To, to get information on how that love should look than to go to the one who created it. So God needs to be the foundation of that relationship. And because marriage is not just the bonding of two souls, but it also becomes sort of like a business, you need to have people who are willing to communicate, people who are willing to inspire. Most, most like you do when you go to work, if you're a manager, you're, in, you're going there and you're, in, you're inspiring a team to its greatness. It needs to be the same in a marriage. There, God has got to be the foundation. Otherwise, what else is there? If God and love are not what you're building from, you're going to you're going to fall because the foundation is going to be very weak and very shaky. If you're marrying for money, yes. You know what happens when the money's gone? Mm. Then the marriage is over. If you're marrying because you're tired of waiting and you just want a man or you're tired of waiting and you just want a woman, then you get the woman or the man and they're the wrong ones, and now you're married and miserable. First you were single and miserable. Now you're married and miserable, and you got to check in with the person who you don't want to be around. And you have to call and you have to consider the person who you don't love. Love naturally guides you to do those things. Having a relationship with God and having God as your foundation naturally urges you to love that person in that way. But when you push and when you force, you end up getting something that you don't want. You want the idea of marriage, and when you get it by your force, you get the bad of marriage. Yes, yes. So we're talking about making quality choices <laughs> and listening for God's voice. When, when, when he will speak to us and he'll tell us, now he's not going to speak like you and I are talking, but he will let you know if this is the person for you or not. And what happens is, you know, we think that this is the person I want to be with. She's a beautiful woman. She's this, she's that. But what if she gets in a car wreck and her face is disfigured? Will you still be there? Absolutely. It's a lot It's a lot that, you know, we need to think about. And one thing that I've learned from, from a lot of people is I had a friend that was really ill at one point, and his loved one didn't, she wasn't there for him. And it was a very hard time for him. I was there with him the whole time. And and to see the spouse not be there and him on his, uh, he was pretty much on his deathbed, but he 
the Lord turned that thing around. He, he's okay now, but they're no longer together. Now, I don't know why they split up. I don't know what the situation was behind that, but it, it taught me that you have to listen for God's voice. You have to treat people with love and respect, and that's something that wasn't there. And they were together probably 10 years. Wow. And it was his first time ever being sick. So it was it was something. It was a, it was trying times and it didn't work out. And now he you know he he's a single man again. He's okay, but it, it it was a it was a hurtful thing for me to stand on the side and see that. But then again, on the other hand, you also have the relationships where the man is 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 out in the streets doing his thing and that woman is home suffering. I've seen right. that too. So what do you do? What what can you tell these men or what can you tell these women that, that are playing around with their marriage and not honoring the vows? You know, it's it's sort of a tough situation because for any person to get into that situation, they've already lost so much of themselves and their own value that, you know, to say something as simple as pray they won't hear. Um, I think in those situations, those couples need to probably in, go through some individual um, and couples' spiritual counseling so they can get back in touch with who they are and why that question. That's why that question is such a good question, why did I get married? Get back in touch with what you saw when you said I do. Yes. And get back into what you envision and how far off the path have you strayed from that from that vision and what can you do to get back to it? You know, why did I get married? It's not just a, a negative. I think we hear it and these days we think, oh, why did I get married? <laughs> it, can, it can also be a great, like, let me reflect. Why did I get married? I got married because I love him. I got married because I love her and because I saw something in her. I wanted her to be the mother of my children. I wanted him to be the father of my children. He could provide a great life, not just financially, but he. when I wake up in the morning, I wake up and I am inspired to be better because of who he is. And when he wakes up in the morning, he's inspired to go out and protect his family and to provide for us because of who we are. Yes. Get back to that. Fight to get back to that. Yes. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our guest tonight is the lovely Denisha Jackson. If you have a question or comment, please give us a call at 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Denisha, I'm going to take a caller. We have a caller on on from the 252 area code. Caller, are you there? Hi. Hi. This is Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. What's up? How are you? I'm good. Hi, Denisha. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? I'm good. I know, you, I know you're going to bless us with something. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I immediately called in when you were talking about um, putting God first. Yes. It's important, me being engaged and getting ready to get married next Uh-oh. year. I have found <laughs> out that it is highly important, even before you take that step, Mm-hmm. to actually include God in every aspect, um, right down to prayer with each other, actually sitting down, reading the word of God together, communicating together. I have also found out, and I was so much against this, to actually go through counseling, that is a good thing because you learn a lot when you're sitting under a man of God or a woman of God that has already been through it. Mm-hmm. So when you put God first before you even enter into it, everything will be laid out in a straight line for you, even though you might have problems, but you still know, okay, we got to go back, we got to pray about this, we got to do this, we got to do that. Prayer and keeping God first is essential before you even enter into marriage. Yes. So who who came up with the idea to do counseling? Was it a mutual thing? Actually, my pastor approached us before um, we went to him to ask him to marry us. 
and he said, I think it will be good if you two would go through counseling before you actually get married, and we actually talked about it. And then it wasn't my decision because I really didn't want to do it. It was actually his decision, which actually shocked me, but we're currently going through it now, and I have found out that it's such a blessing. And there's so many issues that come up in premarital counseling that you don't even think about which is actually good before you actually get into the marriage. Well, let me ask Denisha this. Denisha, do you yes. think it's a, uh, when you say counseling, when you go to premarital counseling, Denisha, do you think it's something that the African-American couples, they we shy away from counseling because we, I don't, I don't know, it's something negative when we think about counseling. We think we it's think something we negative. Yes, we run from the term. It's like any type of counseling we tend to run from. I think we're becoming a little bit more open. It's becoming a little bit more acceptable, but we run from the term as though as though there, it's the plague. And really, counseling is just allowing a third party to come in and hear what you're saying and give and give you some ideas of some things that you have never considered and actually guide your thoughts in such a way that you can communicate to the other person what you're saying in terms of marital counseling, it's just a way to say, well, have you thought of this? You haven't. Well, let me tell you why it's important to think of this before you get married because X, Y, Z. Or you might find out in the midst of that counseling that, oh, my God, I, you know, I had always thought I'd have ten kids. Mm-hmm. And your spouse could think, I absolutely want no more than two. Well, if you've never even talked about that and just sort of took for granted that that's what the other person wants, or what's the idea of, of success for the family, or what's the idea of having, um, you know, having what does financial success look like? What type of life do we want to build? What do we see ourselves in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? You know, what do we want to do with our retirement? Things of that nature. If you never thought about it, then you find you get into the situations, and when you're confronted with them, now you're thinking, well, how are we going to handle it? And you're like, I never knew you were like this. Well, I never knew you were like that. But if you discuss those things, then you can come up with understandings of whether or not you're truly compatible before you take that step. Yes, that that's so true. Cheryl, let me ask you this. Cheryl, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. You and I, we used to talk all the time. It's, it seems like it's been many, many moons ago because <laughs> both of us are so busy doing our own thing. And I wanted to ask you this. Did you, where you are right now, with the man that you have, your soon-to-be husband, did you ever think you could have this type of joy? Not at all. Not with the state of mind that I was in previously. And you and I have talked many, many times, and you already know what kind of state of mind I was in then. But thinking back then, I would have never thought that God would have blessed me with the man that I have now because looking at him, if it was me back in the day, I wouldn't have even gave him a second thought. But with God blessing me and opening my eyes saying, okay, this is a person that I have ordained for you to be with because he can handle you in this area and he can handle you in that area. Nobody else can handle you in that area. But now that I look at it, I got so much joy and so much fulfillment, even though we have our disagreements and our arguments. This man is just actually compatible to me that it just blows my mind Mm -hmm. of how much that he actually knows about me even before I can say anything to him. So it is predestined. It's good to be directed by God before even choosing any mate. That's why I tell women all the time to just sit back, relax, dedicate your lives to God, and God will handle the rest. Yes, that's so true because you have so many people, they're looking at the clock on the wall. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, my time is ticking. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, you're placing limits on God. That's right. And now, you, now you've now you placed God in a box, and now your mind is, is running 100 miles an hour. I'm going to be 40, I'm going to be 50 years old before I get married. Mm-hmm. But let me, say, let me ask you this, and it's more of a statement than a question. You went through a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the reason you went through the pain is because God wanted you to know pain? The only way that you know the opposite of pain is you had to go through it and and for God to bring you out of that. Now you know what real love is. Do you think that was the case? Exactly, exactly. How can you testify if you've never been through a test? So 
with God, with me going through the things that I went through, and God, if I could just talk about it, we would be on the phone for days. <laughs> but with the things that I've gone through, even though it hurt then, it makes me understand now, and it makes me appreciate the love that I have and the love that the man has for me. It makes me appreciate it so much more. Mm-hmm. Can't you just hear the smile in her voice yes, as she yes. talks about him? Yes. <laughs> I, I can see it. I can see I can see her. So, Denisha, do you have any friends that, that are on that, uh, let's say, on the fence of thinking they will never have a man in their life because situations or, or whatever those situations are right now in their life, it, they, their lives feel like it's upside down. But, you know, God can change all that with the, the blink of an eye. He can change all of that. You could so be hurting, many friends. Yeah, you could be hurting tonight, but he said joy comes in the morning. Absolutely. I have so many friends in that exact situation. As a matter of fact, I was speaking with a really close friend earlier today, and, you know, she was just saying, you know, I'm just coming to grips with the fact that I may, I just may never get married, and I just, I might not ever have kids, and that is so sad to me. It's so disheartening, and she's about to be 35, and she's already giving up. No, you can't do that. You know, I'm like, how... How can you give up so quickly on something that you want so badly? And it's sort of there's this underlying view that God must be punishing me. You know, I'm not going to ever have it, and and God, I just have to accept that that's the way God wants my life, as though God wants you miserable. Hmm. And I have so I mean, male friends as well. You know, they that think I've been some, with someone for so long it didn't work out. I'm never going to find love again. Or I've been married and now I'm divorced and I'll never find love again. And like we were saying earlier, it's such a defeatist attitude and it's so sad to keep putting that out there and expect to get anything else but what you're putting out there. You know, I think what we need to do is we need to step back for a second and say, you know what, now let me look at this. Okay, I don't have a husband, I want one. I don't have a wife, I want one. Now, God is our Father. He wants us to be happy at all times. Why wouldn't he want you to have a husband or a wife? Why wouldn't he? Exactly. Why would we think that God wants you to be alone all the time and this and that and this and that? I think what happens when someone does that, and and please forgive me, but I'm going to say this, I think what happens is, we we start placing our own desires above God. Mm. I really believe that. Mm. And then we become angry with God when those things don't happen. Mm. What do you think, Cheryl? You hit the nail on the head right there. You really did. Because, I mean, so many times we... We got our own will in mind. Even though we quote the scripture, God, not my will, but thine will be done, 95% of the time we got our own will in mind and we get so upset with God when when I know I used to. When we can't find anybody or we don't have anybody and we see everybody else out enjoying themselves, but God is saying, you haven't done exactly what I told you to do in the beginning. So until you get to that level, I can't bring him to you because you're not ready for him yet. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Denisha, why do why do we why do we why are we so hard headed? Because when God speaks, we have a choice. He gives us a choice. He's not gonna force it on us. But when he when he speaks to us, why are we so afraid of the one who created us? Why are we why why do we run from him? It seems like we run to people instead of running to God when we're hurting. Why why do you think that is? I think a lar- uh, the large part of it is because God is truth. He is truth, and he will always give you the truth. And the first thought that came to my head when you said that was a picture of um, two people interacting and having a conversation, and one asks the question, and the other person provides the answer. But because it wasn't the answer that the person wanted to hear, they asked the question again. And then they still give them the answer, and they ask the question again because they don't like the answer. Mm-hmm. I think we do the same thing with God. We go and we pray because that's what we're supposed to do, and then we get an inkling in our, the depth of our spirit that says, walk left. But what we think we want is right. 
So we look at the right and we say, but surely that wasn't God because I see what I want over here. I can't see nothing over there on the left. So even though in our gut we know that we're supposed to go left, we go right and we choose what we want over what God is telling us to do, which really comes back to a lack of faith. We really don't believe that God is really going to come through. It's like, well, I've been waiting on God for five years, and he has to come through. Surely he's not going to let me do it my way. Yes. And you know what? Let me ask this question. Do you think we put more on 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 feelings than we do on knowing and having faith? Because a lot of times what we do, uh, the flesh will say, if you can't see it, it's not going to happen. All of your friends are getting married. All of this is happening, this is happening. And look at you. Look where you are. And we start to feel bad. We start, why? God has blessed them. He will bless you too. Well, I think that's, I, I can speak personally. I I am still growing and hoping and praying that I come to a place where spirit is my first reaction. I'm still in a place where, you know, flesh is my first reaction. I was actually speaking to a friend of mine just a little bit ago, and I got some information from him recently that my first reaction was very flesh. It was very much my feelings were hurt, and I, my first reaction was about how I felt and how I was slighted. It took me a minute to go back to the spirit and to the, deep, the deeper part of it and, and come up with an understanding and to relinquish the flesh part of it, the part that wanted to be angry and the ego part of it. It took a while for me to come to that point, and I think that's what happens to a lot of people. We we don't really want to deny the flesh. We go through emotions. Emotions can be so strong. The flesh can be so strong that it can be overwhelming sometimes, and, and the longer you feel that you've been denied what you believe you deserve, mm-hmm the more intense the flesh pulls for you to get what you want. And so you have to have an equally, if not far stronger, spiritual relationship with God to combat those yearnings. I mean, if you want to get married and you want to have children and the world says, okay, you're 35, you know between 35 and 45 you're sort of using up your window of having children, mm-hmm. and you know the older you get, the less likely it is that you'll find a man who's going to want you because he's going to want the 20-something, yeah. then you start to look at God and say, I've been yearning for this, and I've been reading my Bible, and I've been praying, and I've been doing all these things, and it's been five years, and how I, I deserve it, and you haven't given it to me, and it's not fair. Yeah. And so you, you begin to justify the flesh. Yeah. Well, surely I prayed long enough, and he didn't do it, so I'm just going to do it myself. And you know what, Denisha, we have a lot of women out there say, you know what, I've made mistakes in my past. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sleep with a man until I'm married, until we do this. Okay, you start speaking this, and you start telling this man this, and you start telling your friends, I'm not going to sleep with anybody until I'm married. I'm not going to do this. Okay, now the enemy has something to work with here. Next thing you know, you're in the bed with a man, You've gone against what you said that you wouldn't do. And now, after the, after the act, the enemy is tormenting you. He's torturing you because you did that. And what he's doing is, the enemy is doing is saying, you know what? He's the one that's going to tell on you. Look at God. Look what this person did. Let me have them. Right. Look, look at what they've Now, the enemy is the one that taught you into doing it anyway, a lot of the time. And now he's telling on you. Now he's saying, look what this person has done. Look what you have done. And now you're going to beat yourself up about it. And now you you really feel bad. And right. the enemy is just torturing you with this. And I mean, this happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. And because you made a mistake, you, you let the flesh get the best of you and, you and you slip. But the beautiful thing about it all is you can get back up. The enemy is the only one that can never get back up. So his job is to continue pulling you down, pulling you down. Yeah, you, we all have strongholds. We, have, we all have things that, that we're weak at, and that's what the enemy is going to attack. He's going to attack your weaknesses. 
he he's not going to attack you in areas that you're strong because he can't deal with that. He can't defeat you there. He's not going to attack you if, if you're a drinker. He's not going to attack you with cigarettes. That don't work. Right. He's going to put whatever it is that you like, he's going to put that in your path. Right. And, you know, you, you'll know when you're getting close to a blessing because things will start happening. He'll start attacking, attacking, attacking. But you know what? Count it all joy when he attacks because there is a reason he's attacking. There's a reason. Paul said count it all as joy. So I, 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 I said all that to say this. If a person out there is listening that wants to be married, that want, it, it, it doesn't always have to be married or just you have a goal that you're going after. Mm-hmm. Just know God warned us. He said it. Trials and tribulations will come. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Which one are you going to believe? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cheryl, what do you think when a person says, you know what, I'm not seeing all these things happening in my life. I've read the scripture. I know what it says, but. The only thing I can say to them is, where's your faith in God? I mean, God gave it to us. And, I mean, all you need is just the size of a mustard seed faith. The, the mustard seed is really small. Where's your faith and your trust in God? You say he's your father. You say he's your daddy. Trust him and believe him that if he said that he's going to do a thing, he's going to do it, but you just got to wait on your time. Wait on God's timing because God's timing is not our timing. And when something is not happening, when we um, want it to happen, it's usually because there's a hindrance there that's holding it up, and God is just waiting for you to get into the place to where you're supposed to be to receive the blessings that he has for you. So, my thing is to just say, wait and have your faith and your trust in God. Denisha, I know you. I know you want to jump in on that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say, imagine for a moment if God was a genie and He granted your every wish. How messed up would we be? Because we would never be equipped to handle any blessing. So we'd always be grab, which is something sometimes what we do now. We'd always be grabbing for more. We'd always be looking to rub him on his head and ask for the next wish. God is desires to provide you adequately with what desires of your heart and with what you need to fulfill the things that He has brought you here to fulfill. He needs you to trust Him because He can't give it to you. So He blesses you with the wife, and then you mess it up. Because you weren't ready. Because you want a wife because of what a wife means, but you still want to be out there and you sort of want to cheat with whoever. Or you still want to work 24 hours a day and not really participate in the, in the family, but you want the idea of marriage. Or God said, I'm going to bless you with a husband. You've been crying and praying and begging God for a husband. So now he gives it to you, but you sitting up here and you're thinking, I, it's not my. I, I'm. This is new woman. I don't keep. I don't clean the house. You know. I don't. I, I don't feel like I have to please my husband. I don't think that I should have to submit at all. I think that it's all about what I want. I just married. I mean, I wanted to get married because I wanted a husband. But no. But you're not even ready. You're not even clear on what that means, and you're not ready to play the part and be actually be a wife or actually be a husband. So God grants your wish if he was just a genie that jumped when you said jump. He grants your wish, and then you get divorced in a couple of months, and then you're looking at God and you're mad at God saying, well, you knew, you knew that it wasn't right. So what God is doing is saying, I know that it's not right for you right now, and I want you to have it so bad it hurts me that it hurts you, but i got to give it to you when you can hold on to it. Because I have things I want to do through you with that marriage or with that goal. And if I give it to you before you're prepared, you'll lose it. And it's not fair for me to be God, have all knowledge, have all power, all understanding, and to give you something at your beckoning when I know you cannot and you are not equipped currently to handle it. You know You've got to trust. Yes. You know what? It's so amazing that you said prepare. God will not give you something that you're not prepared to handle. He will not do it. And and I'll say this, and I hope she's listening. I don't know if you guys saw the young lady that won the I Want to Be a Soap Star, whatever the name of the thing is. Uh, she she used to be on MySpace. Her mm. name is Ashley. I don't know if you guys saw her. But Ashley and I, we used to talk, and I used to always tell her, 
go ahead and prepare right now for the things that you want. Prepare for it. If if and I'm saying and I'm speaking to anybody out of this listening. If you want a husband, prepare. Start acting like a wife now. For a man that wants a wife, start acting like a husband now. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. You've seen your friends. Not all of them are good husbands. Maybe not all of them are good wives. But start preparing and acting like you're already married. What you're doing when you do that is you're working your faith. You're working your faith now. And that's what activates God. It's your faith. Because he said that you cannot please him. I can't be pleased without faith. So we need to go ahead and start working this thing. And, Cheryl, that's what you're doing right now. You're preparing. If you wasn't even married, why would you go see a marriage counselor? Exactly. So you're working your faith. You know that it's going to happen. That's faith. And I'll tell anyone, a lot of people say, I want a house. Okay, do you, do you have the land? Do you know where you want to build this house? Do you, do you have the floor plans in your mind, or do you have the floor plans at home of how you want this house built? What are you doing? Are you just sitting around thinking, I want this, I want this, and you're dreaming, I want this? See, a lot of times what happens, and I know this is true, it happens in the spirit first before it happens in the physical. It happens in the spirit first before it happens in the in the physical. And so I'll say this to anybody. Get out there. Work your faith. Hold God to his word. But the only way that you're going to hold, be able to hold God to his word is you have to know the word. You're going to have to spend time reading the word and speaking life unto yourself. And I, and I want to say, you know, I'm so excited about what Tyler is doing. I, I get his emails all the time. I don't know if you guys get them and read them. His emails are so simple, but it's like he's pulling you in his emails and you're on the journey with him, which is a beautiful thing. And I want to ask you this, Denisha. Did you get a chance to see the video of the the thing that I sent you? Uh, I did. I did. Of the apology that was sent. Yes. The actual interview itself has been deleted, and a lot of people haven't seen it. But you can tell from the apology. I, I don't think it was a genuine apology, but people came forward. Tyler was just doing some wonderful things. And I want to ask you this. Why do you think he's being attacked right now? Um, for the simple answer is because he's being success, successful and that God is first. Everything that he does, you feel God in. You see he's not afraid in his movies to mention God. He's not afraid to talk about coming together and praying. He's not afraid of the word spirit in his movies. Mm-hmm. And so you get a sense of who he is as a person and that he's, his foundation is God. And because he's being so successful and he's an African-American man being successful without putting smut out and demeaning his race, there's a need, there's a need to attack, not to mention that he, Hollywood can't stand the fact that he is being so successful and he doesn't have to do the same things that some of his other counterparts have to do, that he can be successful really and truly Hollywood is upset that he has favor. Yes. It's yes. that simple. He has favor and they don't like it. Yes. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Right now our special guest is Denisha Jackson, and we also have on the call Cheryl. Um, guys, I have my co-host, Brian Henderson, who just called in. Brian, are you there? Brian, are you I'm there? Having a great show. Yes, yes. How you doing? Brian is out good, on the good. tonight. <laughs> yes. Hi, Brian. Hey, how are y'all doing? Good. Good, great, great. I've been listening in. I, I, I kind of caught the tail end uh, when Denisha was talking about um, preparing yourself. You know, and I and I love the way Greg put it. You, you know, he talked about how when you're building a house, you know, do you have the land? Do you know the plans? You know, and that made me think, do you have the finances ready? But also, are you prepared for when the plumbing goes bad? You know, <laughs> are you prepared for when, you know, because you also, you want to prepare for the good times, but you also want to be prepared for the bad times. Absolutely. You know, not saying that you're going to have a lot of bad times, but you always want to prepare for them. 
you know, because I think the best way to prepare for them is to look for the negative and make it into a positive. You know, you want to you want to flip it over. You want to change the negative into that positive, and the only way to do that is to know when the negative is there. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of times, you know, like when Denisha was saying, you know, the woman don't want to cook, or, you know, she's a, she's a new kind of woman, and she's not, oh, I'm not doing that, you know, and so, you know, a lot of times it's because they haven't been properly prepared, you know, and the man too. You know, I don't want to just say it's just the woman that's not prepared. The man's not prepared. He's not prepared to go and take care of a woman because, you know, nine times out of ten, he's mama boy, and mama's been taking care of him. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's because that happens a lot, Brian. We were talking about that, and Brian, one of the things I said earlier in the show was, a lot of men are not prepared, and they just don't know how to communicate. Yes, yes. You know, believe it or not, communication used to be something very hard for me. You know, I would just close up. I don't want to talk about it. Denise, Denisha said that. She did, Denisha, did you say that? <laughs> that's, that's the male's way. You know, I nope, I don't really need to talk about that. No. You know, shut down. Be quiet. It will disappear. If I'm as quiet as I can be, she will shut up. Mm. And that just doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And she might be quiet, but the problem is now it's brewing. It's brewing inside of you and it's brewing inside of her and nobody's talking about it and eventually it will implode on the relationship. Yes, it will. Yeah. So, Cheryl, you've, you've, you've been counseled tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. But, you know, I, I have truly enjoyed you guys, and, Brian, you really missed um, some very Oh, I'm going things. back to listen to it. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to have to go back and listen to it. Um, we, we talked about Tyler Perry's movie and how the enemy is, is lurking and trying to do whatever he can to to attack him. You know, the sad thing about all of this is Tyler's not out there putting crazy, crazy stuff out there. His stuff is good. His stuff is is touching lives all over the world. And his movies are not just centered for blacks. It's centered for anybody that's, that's open, that has their eyes open and their minds and willing to listen to the voice of God. It is such a beautiful thing. Um, Cheryl, did you have any last questions or comments that you wanted to make? No, just to the singles out there, just stay steadfast to God, and He will direct your path and bring you the one that you are supposed to be with, but just keep your faith and your trust and your focus totally on Him. Yes, Cheryl, you, I know that you have your own radio show. Yes, you want to yes, give that yes. information out to those that are listening so they can come in and listen to you? Yes, I host Experiencing the Glory here on Blog Talk Radio, and usually it's on Wednesday night. This Wednesday I will have Pastor T. Byron Williams with me at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, so please join in if you don't have anything else to do. Good, good. Even if they have something to do, put it aside and listen, because the brother is really going to bring a, a solid word. I've read some of his bio, and it's just flat out awesome. His testimony is awesome. So, Denisha, Denisha, yes. you still there? Yes, absolutely. What What can you tell your girlfriends now? It's about two minutes. What would you tell your girlfriends that are struggling and dealing with doubt and, and not being faithful? I would say a couple of things. One, be sure of be sure of who you are and whose you are. Make God your foundation and trust Him to lead you to wherever He wants to take you. Trust that His future for you is bigger and brighter and better than anything you can ever imagine. And and don't doubt you. Don't doubt your inkling. God has put something inside of you that tells you when you're going right and when you're going wrong. Begin and learn how to trust it. It will serve you well no matter what you do or where you go. Yes. That, that innate feeling that God has given us all will serve you in making your decisions. Most of all, love yourself, love God, and love God, love yourself. Love all those that he blesses with you within your life, and you will have a happy marriage if you're functioning from a place of love. Thank you so much. Brian, we have one minute left. What do you have for our listeners? Well, I'll just say that God is true and faithful. He has always been that way, and he's a God that does not change. Just trust in him. You know, I had a situation that I was going through, and I just stood faithful to God. And he was faithful to me. And he delivered me out of the snare 
you know. And so I just tell people, just be faithful to God, and He will be faithful to you. Yeah. Guys, I thank you so much for coming on, Denisha, Cheryl, and Brian, co-host. You know, it's just amazing how miracles happen every single day. But we're just not opening ourselves up to it. We think that what happens to somebody else, God has given them favor. He's not looking at us and he's not paying attention to us. He hasn't forgot about you. He hasn't forgot about you. Maybe if we work our faith a little bit more, we'll start to begin to see the results of his faithfulness. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We really achieved our goal tonight of being more, doing more, and having more. Until Wednesday, good night.